business. Thanks for coming out tonight. I wrote me a manual, a step-by-step booklet for you to get. Now I make money moves. What up, what up, what up, guys? Welcome back to the Fitness Times Business Podcast, the show created to provide you with the practical and strategic advice to help you level up in fitness, business, your career, your relationships, and your life. My name is Joseph Mensel. I am your host, and I'm joined in this seventh episode of your four, not six, seven. Hi, Caleb. How you doing, man? Caleb, you back, man. I'm back. It has been way too fucking long. Oh, too long, man. In between your four episodes. Uh, we did the maths and we actually haven't recorded an episode of your four for the better part of six weeks. Oh, dude, man. I got to say though, man, these six weeks, they're flying by. They're it, doesn't, fr- it doesn't feel like six Listen, weeks. Listen, I'm not one for excuses, but it has been a very hectic six weeks. It's been, uh, we, we, we had Easter, uh, we had Anzac Day, we had myself making my pro debut, competing. We had a little COVID outbreak here at Massachusetts <laughs> headquarters. <laughs> it's been, it, does, it hasn't felt like it's been that long. Let's put it that way. Um, but we're back. Yeah, man. And I'm super excited because we have four awesome questions. Before we get stuck into them, if the listeners, the viewers have a question that they would like us to answer in one of the upcoming episodes, how do they send the questions through? So they can send them through to my DM on Instagram at caleb.figit. Yep. So C-A-L-E-B dot F-I-E-G-E-R-T. You can send it through to Joseph as well, but he's just going to screenshot it and send it straight to me. So (laughs) So you may as well circumvent the process. Go straight to the man. Uh, But yeah, if you guys do have questions, uh, we are back into the swing of shooting these episodes of Your Four. So we're getting through them uh, for questions per episode, hence the name of uh, this segment. Uh, Caleb, we have four questions. Yeah, we do. Let's get stuck in. All right, question one. I believe that I have a sound understanding of what is required with my sleep, training and diet to be able to perform at an optimal level running my business. My business partner is screaming burnout saying he is cooked and tired from working so much. I know for a fact that the habits around his sleep and diet aren't up to scratch. Things are not being done outside of work to help. Every time I mention something, the immediate reaction is ultra defensive. Do I just accept that not everyone gets it and that some people are just not built to withstand the constant demands of business? Short answer to this question is yes, um, in terms of the acceptance part. And there's, and there's two elements to this as well, Caleb. The first element is business is fucking hard. Uh, it's a lot harder than people who don't run a business think it is. Uh, and people who do run a business are constantly surprised by how fucking hard it is myself included. It seems like the more you progress, the harder the shit gets. And it becomes a question of, you know, how much, how, how, how much can you keep, um, progressing forward? How much can you take? How can you refine your daily habits and routines to allow you to take on more stress and more pressure and, you know, all of the things that come along with building a business. So that's the short answer in, in, um, you know, the acceptance part. I think just to kind of unpack this question, because there's a lot of information here and whoever asked this question, thank you for providing such a detailed question. Um, The defensive reaction aspect, uh, so there's obviously two guys, two girls, or a guy and a girl, I'm not sure of the genders, but business partners, and one business partner is kind of questioning the other business partner on, you know, how come you're dropping the ball you know, why are you not investing in your personal development to allow you to not drop the ball? And the reaction is ultra defensive. It's ultra defensive because 
you're hitting a vulnerability in that person, right? So they probably know and they probably feel deep down inside that you know that they're dropping the ball, that you know that they're not committing to the daily habits, the routines, the personal development that they need to commit to to hold up their side of the business bargain. That's why the reaction's ultra-defensive. And we see it all the time, you know, not just this situation, but whenever you kind of call someone out <laughs> and they know that they're in the wrong, immediately they go into ultra-defensive mode. So just a little bit of awareness around that. I think the next part of this question is that you can't force people to change or level up, right? You're not going to be able to force your business partner in this particular scenario to pay more attention to the things that you've listed here. The sleep, making sure they're getting quality sleep, making sure their diet is on point, making sure that they're investing in themselves physically so that they can perform psychologically the way they need to perform as your business partner. You just can't do it. You can show them through your actions, through what you're doing, but you can't force them to do it. You can take a horse to water. You can't make the fucking horse drink. And I think that's really important to understand because it begs the next question, where is this business relationship heading? Right? Yeah. No, that's because the question. person asking this question is frustrated quite clearly. They've got this business partnership. They feel like they're holding up their end of the bargain. They feel like the business partner is not holding up their end of the bargain. It's going to cause frustration. It's going to cause conflict. It's going to cause resentment. And that's what needs to be dealt with right now. Yep. Well, it's interesting that you say that, man, because I, um, I've I kind of unpacked this question in three little parts here. Yep. The first part I look at is, you know, when they say that I believe I have a sound understanding of what is required with my sleep, training, and diet, you know, I think that's great, man. You know, it works for them. It works for you, you know, but it works for you and it works for you only. I think we need to really come back and understand that. Could you imagine like if you said to me, hey, Caleb, you know, this is how I train. This is my sleep and this is my diet. Why aren't you performing like me, man? Yeah. Because I'm not you. Yeah. And you need to be able to come back into that humility and understand that no one is you. We're all unique. We're all different. And what works for you works for you. But also kind of come with the humility knowing that, yeah, cool, that works for you. Come back to me in five years and tell me you're doing the same thing. Because mm. you're not going to be doing the same thing 100%. You're going to find that some kind of obstacle, something new is coming to your life that what you're doing now just doesn't work in the future. So then I, I look at the next part, my business partners screaming out burnout and so forth and the habits around their sleep and diet aren't up to scratch. So unless they are really close in this case, I don't really know how they would know that as well personally. To be honest, man, unless you're stalking them and just following when they're sleeping and, and really tracking what they're eating. Spending every second together. So, so if it is someone who's, you know, a business, like partner in, in a relationship, I can understand and that makes sense. But if it's just, you know, your business partner, you can't really be assuming those kind of things, to be honest. That's fair. Uh, every time I mention something, the immediate reaction is ultra defensive. I can come and speak from experience a little bit on this. I've had times in my life where I was very ultra-defensive. People would pick up on flaws in my life and the first thing I'd do is turn around and say, how dare you say something like that about, no, you know, you know, we get ultra-defensive. Um, but it actually came from a point of being in toxic relationships and not just in a partner and friendships, work environments and everything where I found that everyone that I was around was never encouraging me, but was actually speaking discouraging words. 
And one day I was over living in Melbourne for a little bit and I was working in a different store for this company. I worked in multiple stores. But one day there was a manager who saw that I was struggling. And most times people see people struggling and they try to tell them how to fix it. You know what I mean? You can't tell people what to do. But he just encouraged me. And through that encouragement, it actually built me up. So when someone says, do I just accept that not everyone gets it and some people are not just built, are just not built to withstand it? My question actually comes back to, what are you doing to that person? Are you building them up or are you tearing them down? Because if people aren't built to withstand it, it's not that they're not built to withstand it, it's that we're not building them up. Beautiful. That's a, it's a good, it's a good uh, I've come, kind of come out of the blocks full business and you've kind of come out of the blocks in a completely different direction, but I think it's a really good insight. So, yeah, so yeah. when we got back to like, you know, where do you move forward with this? I've actually heard personal stories of someone who had a secretary and assistant mm. who was doing a horrible job and he made a list of all the things he was doing wrong and even HR suggested to him, write down this list, come to her and tell her what she's doing wrong. So we did that, right? Next week, she started doing more things wrong. Eventually, he got so sick of it, he just started to encourage her. He went completely against what they were telling him to do. And she became the best secretary ever. Everything that she was doing wrong, she became to do better at and then better before. And it came from a place of encouragement, not pointing out flaws and failures, but actually encouraging them and, and giving them that environment to grow in. And I think that's probably, you know, in terms of where does this person go with this current situation, it's probably a really good place to start, Caleb. You know, instead of kind of pointing out the 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 flaws and the dropping of the ball and, um, you know, all of the negatives, perhaps flip the script. Um, obviously, this person is encouraging the business partner through the way they're living their life, through their actions, but perhaps let's try and do it through verbal as well, right? Let's try and do it instead of pointing out all of the flaws and how they're dropping the ball, perhaps let's kind of flip that script and let's go for a little bit of encouragement. If that doesn't improve the relationship, then we need to look at, you know, where does this relationship go from a, from a business partner perspective? Do we kind of skew the percentages to make sure that, you know, the partner that's kind of taking on the majority of the work and the stress and the pressure feels like they're being rewarded? Um, you know, do we look to kind of move the business partner out of the business, paying them out of the business perhaps and dissolving the partnership? I mean, there's so many different things that can be done at that point. Um, but I think probably flip, flipping the script and starting with the encouragement is a really good place to begin. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Next question. All right. Question number two. Can you go into the whole micro-obsession, macro-balance law? How do you do it? Absolutely. <laughs> one, of my, uh, one of my little um, mantra is not the right word. I don't even know what word I would use to describe this. One of my little thought processes. So for those of you who haven't heard this before, micro-obsession, macro-balance is how I... I'm able to focus on what I need to focus on in the short term, but balance all of my responsibilities in the long term. So the best way to think about it is through a spinning plates analogy. This is how I like to go. As I go, you know what, I've got, and you, if you've ever been to like a circus or whatever, and you've seen the clowns and they've got like the big long sticks and they've got the plates spinning on top of the sticks and they've got one plate and then they pull up another plate and then there's another plate and then there's, and there's like five or six different plates and they're all spinning on these sticks and they're all, you know, and then 
one of the plates falls off because it loses momentum and then another plate falls off and then all the plates fall off. We've all kind of seen that before. So that's the analogy that I like to use. And so in this analogy, each of the plates is a different area of your life, right? So one of the spinning plates might be your, your health and fitness. Another one might be your career or your business. Another one might be your uh, family. Another one might be your personal relationships. Whatever the most important areas of your life are, each of them is represented by a spinning plate. You can't spin all the plates at the same time, right? We've only got two hands. So you can't go and spin, spin the health and fitness plate and the family plate and the career and business plate and the personal development plate and all these different areas of your life at the same time. It's a recipe for disaster. All the plates are going to collapse and smash on the ground and you'll be fucked. So I like to look at, you know what? Let me on the micro in the short term obsess over one particular plate. Let me go all in on that plate. Health and fitness, for example. Let me go. I've just come out of a contest prep, right? So I just went micro-obsessed on my health yeah. and fitness, right? Let me go and obsess and, and focus on spinning on that plate and get some really good momentum. Fantastic. That's the micro-obsession. That's the short-term focus. But at some point, whatever it may be, for me, it was the contest. The show's over now. I'm going to zoom out, right? And I'm going to go, okay, where are, all, where, where are all the other plates at? What deserves my short-term focus, my micro-obsession now? Well, you know, while I was focusing on my health and fitness, I had to place less focus on business, right? So now I need to refocus and I need to go micro-obsessed on business, spin that plate, get some really good momentum happening. I also need to go in my, uh, in my personal life, right, with my marriage, my wife, Amy, right? sacrifices when we're, in, we we're both in contest prep, as a matter of fact, right? So our marriage, we're not able to commit everything that we wanted to commit to our personal relationship, right? To our marriage. So let's refocus. Let's go micro-obsessed on there, right? Let's get that plate spinning, right? And then on to the next thing. So the micro-obsession is the short-term focus on particular plates, on particular areas of your life. The macro-balance is being able to zoom out understand and appreciate that you have multiple different plates that are all spinning. And at some point in time, they're going to require the short-term focus. They're going to require the micro-obsession. That's the analogy. Yeah, look, you pretty much answer it all. And the only really thing that I can really add or any kind of value that I could input here is the way I kind of look at this is um, it kind of encourages me to plan in the long term, in the macro. Mm. Because as you spin those plates or as you go and you look forward, I always like to have a vision or a goal that's maybe four or five years into the future. Yeah. But from speaking to a lot of people and experience, a lot of people are too afraid to do that, whether it's because they're afraid that they're going to fail or they're you know, worried they're going to even succeed or they don't even know what it looks like. Um, but what I have found when you take that micro obsession is you run with something and you actually discover what it's doing and if it actually benefits you. So you mentioned about spinning plates, but even what I've kind of walked in and experienced recently is you might be spinning a plate and then all of a sudden it's time to take that plate out completely and take a new plate into it because what you want in the future is just what plate you're spinning right now, it doesn't work. Mm. 
So I guess my only encouragement for somebody who, you know, might be looking to plan on things in the future and you don't know what you're planning and you're worried that if you do come up with a long-term goal, just spin those plates mm. and find out which ones work for you and find out, you know, whether what you're doing is actually benefiting you and then we, we, you'll discover essentially what it is you want to do in the future. Don't be afraid also that that long-term goal might change, but it's only going to be a result of you spinning those plates in the first place. Mm. That's a really nice extension of that analogy. Yeah. Really nice. I also have another extension because my last um, session that I had with my therapist, I was uh, describing to her my micro-obsession, micro-balance, and I was describing the, the spinning of plates. And she gave me some very, very uh, valuable advice um, to kind of add to this analogy. She said, because one of the things that I fall into sometimes, Caleb, you know, this analogy works very well for me and it has for many, many years. It, it's, it's, you know, it really allows me to go all in on a particular plate, a particular area of my life and achieve tremendous success in the short term and then also allows me to step back and kind of go, well, hold on a second. It's not all about health and fitness all the time, yeah. right? It's not all about business all the time. It's not all about my marriage, my personal relationship all the time. There's a whole bunch of shit going on and I need to be aware of all of that. But from time to time, using this analogy has caused me, I'm not sure if anxiety is the right word, but it's probably like an anxiety stress response because I am aware of all the different plates and I kind of work myself up and going, oh, fuck, how am I going to be micro-obsessed about this? And then I'm going to have to change and be micro-obsessed about this. And then I'm going to have to shift and be, and it's just like, I'm continuously trying to spin these plates and keep them all, not at the same time, one at a time, spinning, getting momentum, and then I shift to the next thing immediately. And then I shift to the next thing immediately. And then I shift to the next thing immediately. And I never really, until recently, have given myself the opportunity to fully step back and appreciate that all the plates are spinning and everything's all good. So my therapist gave me um, another extension to this analogy, this super valuable extension. And she said, you have to remember from time to time to do that, to step back, and have the quiet confidence that the plates will continue to spin, right? This isn't, this isn't a circus. You're not a clown. The plates are not going to stop spinning and smash to the ground. They're going to continue spinning. And when you're in the right mindset, when you're in the right state, you can decide to go micro-obsessed on whatever plate you want. But you don't have to jump from one to the other to the other to the other and cause yourself stress and anxiety in the process of doing so. Yeah, that's good, man. That's a good, like, a good definition of just resting in that, you know. Mm. Absolutely, I For like sure. that. Third question. All right, question. Pack these are good three. questions. These, today, these are good questions. These are man. good questions. Psychological or physical? Is it inner beliefs preventing one from their goals or physical limit? Aside from the obvious physical limits, yeah, right? yeah, come on, yeah. like you know, if you're um, five foot two, you're not going to be the next LeBron James. Let's just, <laughs> yeah, it just is what it is, right? There's the obvious kind of physical limitations. Put those to the side. It's almost always psychological. It's almost always psychological, and there's a couple of reasons for it. The first one is 
you have to have your own internal vision before anybody is going to be able to see what you see, right? That has to come from inside you. That has to come psychologically. The second thing is you have to do the work before the belief can become solidified, right? So this question is, is it inner beliefs preventing one from reaching their goals of physical limits? The first thing that comes is the vision. The second thing that comes, and this is where people fuck this up a lot. They think your vision, belief work. No. Vision comes first. Work comes second. Once you've done the work and you start moving towards these goals and you see that you are powerful beyond measure, then the belief comes, right? Belief comes after the work. And I think that most people don't have a big enough vision from the outset. And most importantly, most people don't have the courage to commit to the work with no guarantee of success, but go through anyway and go, you know what, I'm going to give this a red hot crack. And I have faith that the belief is going to be there once I've done the work. That's good, man. Um, I've got like an experience that actually examples exactly what you were talking about. So do I. <laughs> so do I. Let's hear yours first. All right. This is an interesting experience. I was once given the opportunity to paint a shed, mm. um, but I've never painted a shed before. And then, you know, they need a proper shed, not just, you know, just paint it for the sake of painting it. Mm. And so I was like, okay, I'll give it a go. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm not skilled in this. No one's ever told me what to do. And I'm painting that shed, man. And I'm just, I'm hearing in my head, you shouldn't be doing this. Oh, you don't know what you're doing. This is, you know, I'm, I'm self-talk, man. Self-talk, man. Yeah. Um, which I'm also, I want to touch on that a little bit too. Um, but I just did it. You know what I mean? I was going against it, you know. Uh, it wouldn't matter, you know. It, it, it was never about what it was going to look like it, in the end. It was about just doing the work. Mm. And, you know, I was, even in my head, I was just hearing, oh, this isn't coming together. Oh, look, there's a blotch there that doesn't look right. You know, all these thoughts that were coming in my head. But I did it. And I ended up and I finished it. And then guess what? They saw it and they said, wow, thanks for painting that shed. Do you want to paint the next one? You did such a good job. And you know what? There, that's when the, what was it? What was this? The third thing that comes, the um, belief. Belief. That's when the belief kicked in. It yeah. didn't believe until I stepped out in faith yeah. and actually just did it. Mm -hmm. And so then I did it again. And you know what? That's when I became self-aware. And it became self-aware was I, I come to this point where you need to take every thought captive. Every thought, every thought I was just saying, oh, you can't do this, not good enough, that doesn't look good enough. I start taking every single one of those thoughts captives and I start going back to what we spoke about earlier. Does this encourage me or is this, build, is this tearing me down? It's tearing me down. I'm going to go against that. I'm going to hear, every time I hear a thought, every time my thought says you can't do this, I go, no, I can and I think it's very important that we become self-aware in our mind because it's only what's going on in our mind that's actually stopping us from achieving what we want to achieve. One of my favorite sayings, Caleb, is not everything you think is true. You can question your thoughts, right? Just because you think something doesn't mean it's true. Just because you thought you had no idea what you were doing painting that shed doesn't mean it's true. Right? Just because your inner self-talk is negative and you're telling yourself that you can't do this or you can't do that, it doesn't mean it's true. 
You can question those thoughts. You can say, oh, you know what? I'm going to test it. Let me do the work. Let me see. Let's see if it's true. Most of the time, it's not true. No, not at all. Most of the time, the negative self-talk is complete bullshit. But a lot of the time, we don't have the courage to do the work to test it. Yeah. I think too, like I look back at the negative talk and I'll be honest, you know, the negative talk can come from others too. And then it gets in our head and then it stays in our head. But it's, it's up to us to choose whether or not we accept that. 100%. I got some examples. I got a business example and a fitness example. From a vision perspective, I started the Massive Joe's business literally out of my bedroom. Right? People don't believe it when I say it. They're like, yeah, bullshit. You didn't start. I've got fucking photos and videos literally out of my bedroom. I had a desk. I had a bookshelf that was my warehouse that had held all my supplements <laughs> in the bookshelf, right? Literally out of the fucking bedroom in my parents' house as a 19-year-old. I had the vision that one day I would have a multi-million dollar business and I would be operating out of a head office that looked very similar to where we currently are right now. That was my vision, right? Yeah. Standalone. I knew what it was going to look like. I visualize the car parks in the front, the big fuck off warehouse in the back, all the different studios so I could shoot my videos and we could, podcast didn't exist back then, but you know, I could shoot the content. I could create this. We'd have a nice open office. Everybody would come to work and be at all. That was my vision. I had no business believing that that was going to happen. No business, but the vision was there. So what did I do? I went to work, I got to work bit by bit, built the business. Went from the bedroom in my parents' house to the study in, the, in my parents' house. Started taking over spare rooms as my little warehouse. Moved into my sister had a house down the road. She wasn't using her garage. Used her garage or her shed as my warehouse. 40 square meters, tiny, but I had a warehouse, right? And then I just worked and I worked and I worked and got the first head office back at Woodlands Terrace, one street away from where we are now right? 300 square meters, whatever it was. Tiny little warehouse, kept working, kept working. And as I'm working, as I'm going from the bedroom to the study, to the spare room, to my sister's garage, to the first standalone warehouse, I'm building belief. I'm going, fuck, I can do this. I'm, I'm heading towards the vision. Kept working, kept working, kept working. And the belief comes with it. And so now where we are here, right? We're here. We made it to this vision. So I've already set the next vision, right? I've got not right now, I've got no business in believing that vision. No business. But I'm committing to doing the work, to building the belief that that vision will become a reality. Which was going to kind of, I was going to ask, you know, so you get there and what do you do next? You keep going. 100%. But this is what I'm saying, Caleb, is most people don't set a big enough vision right from the start, right? And then when they, if they, if they do build up the courage to do the work, to see the vision through, the vision comes to reality, you go to the next level, right? Don't set yourself short. This is the answer to the question. Is it psychological or physical? It's always fucking psychological. We are all powerful beyond measure. The only limits we set are the ones that we set on ourselves. 
I'll give you another example in, in just to completely go from one spectrum to the other. Well, the two, the two big areas of my life, right? Fitness. When I first, I first started competing, 18 years old, 2005, did my first show. Teenage division bodybuilding. <laughs> my vision was one day to, to turn pro. I had no business believing that vision as an 18-year-old, skinny. I think my first competing weight was like low 70 kilos or some shit. No business believing that that, that, that vision would sometime, somehow become reality. But I committed to the work. And as I worked, as I won shows, the belief comes along with it. As I progress, as my physique developed, the belief comes along with it. Of course, 2017, I turned pro. So then the next vision, right? So what's the next vision? No business believing that that vision is going to become a reality. You commit to the work. And as you get better, as you work, as you progress towards the vision, you can see the vision becoming reality. That's where the belief comes along. Good, man. Like the only, the, the basically, sum it all up, we've been created to be powerful beyond measure. For sure. But somebody, at some point along the line, even if it was ourselves, tried to circumvent that, tried to short circuit that and say, no, 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 this is, this is the limit for you. Right? Don't you dare believe that you're more capable of achieving this limit. Don't you dare believe that. It's fucking bullshit, man. Last question. Last question, man. At the moment, well, actually, this is a combination of two questions, man. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't think we should double up on this one. So very, we got five. It's your five it's today. like your five. <laughs> All right. So… At the moment, I'm currently doing a degree at uni, which is going well, but I feel as though I should be doing more. Can you give any advice on taking the leap from the completion of studies slash uni to employment in a profession? Do I pursue my passion or just stick to what I should be doing? This is a situation of and or. I think that the way this question is framed is this person is thinking that it needs to be this or that. Right, that it's got to be, you know what, I'm, I'm studying, I'm about to finish uni, go into my profession, or I need to go and do something else that I'm passionate about. I need to pursue my passion, right? I think that's kind of where their mind is at. It's got to be this path or this path. The truth is, it's going to be both. Yep. It's not a question of or, it's a question of and. A little bit of personal experience, once again, to kind of flesh this out. So I spent a lot of time at uni. I spent um, eight years at university, longer at university than I did at high school, to put that in perspective. Um, I finished university with two degrees. First class honors degree in mechanical engineering, first class honors degree in law. I was heavily invested in my professional career. Eight years, uh, I think close to 100,000, if not over 100,000 in, um, in hex debt, in tertiary debt that I took on to, to pay for the, um, the uh, tuition that went into both of those degrees. Heavily, heavily invested. And I was in a similar position. It was like, fuck, you know, um, 
because at the time I had started Massive Joe's in my bedroom. It's funny how these questions are all tying <laughs> together here. These stories are all interweaving. Um, and by that point, I, you know, I built the business into a reasonable size business. You know, it wasn't a multi-million dollar business at that time, but it was, you know, I was able to pull, I don't know, 35, 40 grand out of it a year, that sort of thing. It was at a point where like, you know, for a part-time kind of side gig, it was, it was good, but I was really fucking passionate about it. And through the work experience that I had done in engineering and law, I knew that I, you know, it was good. It was, you know, it was okay, but I, I didn't, it didn't light the fire inside me, Caleb. It wasn't, it wasn't where my passion was. So I'm very familiar with this situation. I faced this exact situation as I finished my tertiary studies. So I did both. I went and worked in engineering and law. I went and worked for a company called Santos, an oil and gas company. And in my spare time, I pursued my passion. So before work, early in the morning, late at night, after I got back from work, and I did both at the same time. I did both at the same time. So I was able to leave no stone unturned. I was able to go, you know what? I'm, I, I really need to make sure that I am really passionate about this business, right? And this is really what I want to do. And I'm happy to, at some point, turn my back on the eight years and the hundreds of thousands of dollars of hex debt and everything that was invested in my professional career. And at the same time, I've given that a crack as well. And I've solidified that that's not what I want to do, right? And at, at the same time that that's happening, I'm still able to earn really good money in engineering and law, working for the Santos company, fantastic. I'm able to take a bunch of that money, invest it in the company, grow the company, build the company, get the company to a point where it makes financial sense as well for me to commit to it 100% full-time. And so I did both until it was very obvious that I could completely close the door on my professional career, my tertiary study and all of that, and completely walk straight through unapologetically yep. through the door yep. of yeah. my passion. Yeah. Look, I'm very similar to the answer when it's about pursuing both. You know, I, I guess I'll come from a more from like someone who's an employee than say a CEO or a boss yeah. or something. But, you know, I was the opposite. Like I studied and, and what I was studying was my passion and I went and worked in between that. Mm. Um, but the encouragement I'd give to somebody who is studying and isn't working is go and find a job. Mm -hmm. um, the encouragement I would give there is depending on what you're studying as well, go and find a job that's probably going to be lower than what you plan to go into professionally as well. Specifically, I'd recommend people to go and work in customer service mm. because it's going to teach you the people skills. It's yeah. going to um, – I look back at my job when I was working and studying and I was working in the city in a customer service role. So not only did – Was it a retail role? It was a retail yeah. role, a fast-paced retail role, you mm. know. Um but in the city, you meet everybody. Mm. So you actually learn to interact with all kinds of different people, which I think is a skill in itself that you're never, ever going to get studying a degree at uni. Mm. And, you know, we look at it at the most jobs that we go to. If you're at university, you're not going to be a tradie. 
you know, you're going to be someone that's most likely going to be, an, and especially if you're going to be running a business, it's going to be limited to an office. And you're only going to have around a certain amount of people. And so being able to have that background of people skills and knowing how to handle people from different cultures, people with different opinions, and being able to work in harmony is really important if that's what, something you're going to pursue. Um, but also having a job that's going to be beneath you is also going to teach you so many things like humility, even patience, all important things that once again, you don't go to university to learn, you learn them in life. And if you can learn them by also making a little bit of money on the side, you got to look at that job as that's the job that's going to build that work ethic in you. So when you finally do have the job, you've got that work ethic in you because things get tough. Things don't always just get tough in those crap, you know, I'm not going to call it crappy, but you know, in those retail or hospitality jobs, they get tough sometimes, but things get tough in the job and your dreams as well. And if you haven't built that structure, um, you're going to, you're going to fall when it comes to actually doing it. Now switching it to passion, pursuing your passion. You know, if you have studied and it's not your passion and you've identified that, but you know, you wanna go and work from what you studied and you go and you do that. If you really know what your passion is, you do need to keep that door open. You know, don't close the door on your passion. And I feel like to encourage this person who's asked about, do I pursue what I'm passionate about? Something tells me that maybe what you're pursuing, what you think you're pursuing in your passion might not be your passion. Mm. And I identify what my passion is. I can 100% just sit here and say, my passion is in music. Mm. My passion is in playing guitar. Now, not only do I know because it sets my soul on fire, like as you mentioned, just you just feel on fire when you do it. You don't have to question your passion. If you don't it's have really to question. Passion. You just know. But yeah. it does something else. It attracts others. I play guitar, man. You know what com comments I get when I play guitar and people see me play guitar? They go, man, I love when you play guitar. I get excited when you do it. That's when you know that's your passion because your passion is bringing out passion in others. So if you're doing something and you think it's your passion and, and no one's paying attention to you, it's not that you're, you know, no one's paying attention. It's that you're not doing what you're passionate about. And it's time to be true. It's time to be real. And it's time to go look back and go, okay, what is it that I'm doing that I'm truly passionate about that attracts others? I think one of the other things I've seen as well, Caleb, as a business owner, and I've seen this a couple of times through my business journey, is we have um, staff members who join us and the nature of the business we're in, they usually join us, you know, in their early 20s. And a lot of them are studying at the time, right? Studying health science or physiotherapy or, you know, some, usually it's something fitness related. And um, they enter this business and um, they work their way through the business, they get promoted and they find that like, the, like they are super passionate about this job, whatever their job is within the company, right? And, but they don't, they don't close the door on the study. They do both, right? It's an and situation. They keep studying. They're working at Master Joe's Team Joe Apparel. They keep studying. They're working here. As they're working, they progress, they get better, they get to a point, right? And this happened recently where they're like, you know what? This is what I want to do. I'm 100% where I want to be. And they go, you know what? The study thing to me, I'm closing that door now. So it's, it's, it's the end. It's doing both until you get to a point where you don't need to question your decision. You know 
exactly what you want to do. You know exactly where your passion lies. It's not a question of, uh, should I do this? Should I do that? Am I passionate about this? Am I passionate about that? No, motherfucker. When you know, you know. Yeah, 100%. I just think don't close those doors, man. If you keep that door open and you keep pushing, those doors are going to open wider. More doors are going to open for you. And then you can go and pursue that. Yeah. And you know when the time is right to walk completely and unapologetically through that door. Pay attention to everything we just said because you'll see it. (laughs) Yeah, for real. Man, that's it. That's four questions. Oh, it's good to be back, Caleb. It's good to have you back, man. Oh, it's good to be back, man. Great to shoot these podcasts. Guys, uh, if you have enjoyed listening uh, or watching, if you're watching the video version of this show, uh, the one thing that we ask in return, if you uh, have taken value from the show, if you've enjoyed, if it's made your um, cardio session go faster or walking the dog go quicker or cleaning the house go super speed, uh, (laughs) whatever you've been doing while you've been listening to us, um, the one thing we ask in return is that you guys share the show. One of the things that Caleb and I personally love seeing is you guys taking a screenshot uh, right now on your favorite podcasting platform, posting that screenshot in your Instagram story, tagging both of us in it. You've got our tags at Caleb Figget, at jo- Caleb dot. Dot Figget, yeah. Uh, at yeah. Joseph Medsell. Uh, we love seeing those tags and we repost as many of them as we possibly can. Caleb, thank you so much. Oh, it's a pleasure, man. Great to be back in the Your Four uh, segment side of things. Beautiful, mate. Guys, you could have been anywhere in the world right now, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. Until next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Fitness Times Business Podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. And if you enjoyed this episode and took some value from it, make sure you share it with your friends, your family, and your followers. And if you haven't yet, be sure to leave us a five-star rating.